0: Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive writer for Bay Area News Group. My colleague and friend is Bruce Aldrich. Today we're on Pier 9 in San Francisco. It's a very special podcast for us. We're here with uh, Dr. Katia Nicolette. She is the scientist on board from the Energy Observer. And we've just got done with a wonderful tour hearing about this fascinating vessel that is going around the world. And if I understand correctly, the the voyage began uh, in uh, Saint-Malo,
1: France,
0: in 2017. And uh, we're here today to talk about this great craft and its energy and hydrogen and all the wonderful things that the world is going to more and more to to learn about how we can sustain our planet. So, um, Dr. Katia, uh, or Katia, if we can, (laughs) welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for the great tour and uh, we, we appreciate you. we appreciate it very much. Can you give us an overview? Uh, you've been on this vessel a lot, the catamaran, uh, and it might be hard to, to give us a concise uh, definition, but could you try for us what we're all about on this catamaran?
1: Yeah, so it's kind of hard to imagine if you've never seen it before, but basically it's a catamaran, so it has two holes and a big uh, living space in the in the middle there and everything is covered with solar panels, so it looks all black. Uh, and the primary source of our electricity comes from those solar panels. So the main goal here is to be fully autonomous in energy and to be able to go around the world only using renewable energy and hydrogen and not emit a single emission of CO2 or any kind of other greenhouse gases and uh, no fine particles either.
2: It's interesting, I, I love the solar panels, that's obvious, you would think, on a you know an electric boat, it's 90 meters, I believe.
1: The, we have 202 square meters of solar panels, and the length of the ship is 33 meters.
2: 33, 33 meters, I was thinking 90 feet-ish,
1: yes, 33
2: sorry. meters, and what's interesting though, to me, is it's got the fuel cell on it, and they actually um, produce our own hydrogen on board as a, as a fuel source.
1: Yeah, so what uh, we really have to understand is that the hydrogen is a storage of energy, just like we have batteries on board as well. So we have two types of, two types of storage of batteries. We uh, Sorry, we have two types of storage of energy. So the batteries are the short-term storage of energy and the hydrogen is the long-term storage of energy. So the source of energy solar panels and then all this electricity that we produce we're first going to store it into the batteries and when we have an excess of solar energy we're going to turn this excess of energy into hydrogen by means of electrolysis so we have the entire chain of hydrogen production on board and we can create our own hydrogen store it in big tanks They look like diving tanks but much bigger and that allows us to be fully autonomous on long journeys like for example when we're going to go across the pacific from hawaii to tokyo that's going to take us about a month to 40 days and without the hydrogen we wouldn't be able to do that journey
0: you uh began this you were telling us in the in the tour that you have two crews and uh you rotate various things and did you begin in 2007 when the, the boat began as well and uh, how often do you make that exchange of crews because it's a it's a obviously a very closed area you have uh five people usually you're the scientist on board so how could you tell us a little bit about how the the crews uh shift and and when that occurs yeah so we have two
1: crew Uh, usually it's five people so there's always a captain yes an engineer because we need an engineer with us on board at all we have a reporter because we uh, talk about our own journey and about projects that we get to meet around the world, a Boat boatswain, so that's kind of the Swiss Army knife of the ship, <laughs> I and, love it. and then there's me, the, the scientist on board, so there's always five of us, and there's two crews, so we rotate and we spend about six weeks on the boat and six weeks on land. Uh, I myself have joined the project about a year ago. I see. Uh, so, not from <laughs> 2017. Yes.
0: Uh, your responsibility as the scientist on board, could you explain exactly what, not exactly, but in general terms, <laughs> what you do on a day to day basis?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm a type of science advisor. So, I advise the production team on the subjects that we might be interested in. I make sure that all the content that we produce is accurate and also, we try and get people to think about uh, the maritime transport because it's a a source of pollution that is rather large uh, over the globe and it's something we don't often talk about. So we're going to set up uh, little um, stations on board, one for air quality and one for water quality, and that will allow us to have direct measures of the water and air quality around the world and start talking about where this pollution comes from and uh, different means of trying to reduce it.
2: Your ship also has um, sails on it. They're almost like, like aircraft wings, but they're we'll call them sails. Um, it must be pretty quiet out there. you got sails and then you got the electric motor running how much, half the time or something?
1: Yeah, so most of the time actually, uh, we are a hybrid propulsion. So it means that we have those sails, as you say, they look like uh, wings, modern sails, yeah. um, and we have the electrical engines going. Uh, but if we have enough wind, let's say if we have 10 or 15 knots of wind, we are able to sail with only those what we call ocean wings, those uh, weird looking sails. <laughs>
2: they are. They, I bet they're efficient. Yeah. Yes,
1: they're actually two times uh, more efficient than traditional sails for the same surface.
0: Katia, one of your sponsors is Toyota and I wondered if you could talk about if you uh, could give us some uh, idea of what that relationship is like and are you providing uh, information to to Toyota in terms of their future in automobiles as well as other things from your experiences in the Energy Observer?
1: Yeah, so Toyota is one of our sponsors and it's actually one of our uh, better, I would say, <laughs> sponsors. Yeah. We really like them. Um, so what the the biggest thing that they did for us uh was about two years ago when they the engineers from toyota and engineers from uh, um, energy observer worked together to create the fuel cell that we're using today yes so as you all know uh, toyota is using uh fuel cell of their own in the mirai the hydrogen car
0: yes yep so
1: they adapted those parts and they uh, combined them in a different way so compact uh, and able to fit inside the the boat and that's the fuel cell that we've been using for two years now and it's much more efficient than the first one we we had created um, back in France at the very beginning of the project
2: Has there been any incidents with the hydrogen as far as leaks or having to vent it in an emergency or anything? No,
1: no, no. Uh, People tend to think that uh, hydrogen is very dangerous, Uh, but I mean, I've been sleeping two meters away from big hydrogen tanks. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Thank you for that. this boat' has experiences experienced five meters swell and above um, we had lightning storms we had a lot of uh, really rough conditions and we've never had any issues
0: that's great yeah I, I would not try to understand at all what it must must be like to be an open sea for, for weeks at a time and since you mentioned inclement weather um, can you share with us an experience or two where uh, you're an experienced scientist you know what you're doing obviously you're on this great uh, catamaran have you had any times where you weren't quite sure uh, in rough seas were you ever afraid and, and uh, unsure of what was going to happen next
1: um, not really I mean I've been sailing a lot before this project yes and I've experienced even rough weathers in the, in the southern Ocean yes um, but yes, for someone that doesn't sell, it can be quite yeah, <laughs> <impressive>. traumatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I don't suffer from sea sickness, so that's another good that's thing. That's a good thing, yes. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, it, I guess life gets a little bit difficult when you have two meters of soil and, and above because everything is moving so much, it's becoming hard to walk. Yes. Uh, even harder to cook or to do anything else definitely uh, you can't work on your computer anymore uh, because that gives you motion sickness Um, but otherwise this ship uh, was uh, it's actually a refurbished ship it was called Enza before and it was a racing catamaran and uh, it it sailed around the world a few times won a few races so it's a very very sturdy ship uh, and I've never felt afraid uh, even in big weather
2: I wondered where it came from I I didn't know if they designed it from the ground up or what so they took an existing
1: yeah that was a mean to avoid uh, CO2 emissions as well uh, in the construction of a brand new ship so we refurbished uh, an old one so this ship is about 30 years old
2: 30 years. does this uh, like like two meter swells like you mentioned does it get rocking and rolling and uh, creaking and cracking because it Mm -hmm. seems so solid at the pier
1: Yeah, yeah, it it does does crack and it's funny because it's a catamaran so each hole is going to move slightly differently from the other Uh, and when you're in the pilot seat you can actually put your feet um, in the brace there in between the two holes and you can feel it moving so you have one foot that moves slightly different one than the other and uh, it's it's a weird feeling <laughs> at
2: first. And all this electronics and fuel cells and hydrogen tanks and batteries and it all works.
1: Yeah, that's the, that's what we wanna showcase as well with this project is that we put those technologies in the worst possible conditions. At sea with salt water, continuous movement and it all works perfectly. Um, so.
2: and I think you were saying that a computer runs a lot of it, right? You set courses and Obviously you make decisions, but right or left, the the computer tells the sails where to get out of position and how much throttle, how much, uh, you know, fuel cell versus battery you're using and all that. It's all. Yeah. Wow.
1: The computer tells us everything we need to know about our energy production and consumption. And then the captain uh, is going to set the course depending on the weather forecast of wind, currents and sun as well. So we're gonna trace the best route for us, and uh, we're gonna put this route into the computer system, and the computer is just gonna drive the ship for us, basically. Even turns automatically. Uh, We just hoist the sails up by pressing a button, and then the sails are gonna orient themselves automatically depending on the wind. And we can tell the computer, I want to keep an average speed of five knots and it's going to put enough energy in the engine to do so. Or you can tell the computer today, I want to save energy. So I'm only going to put four kilowatt hour, for example, of energy in the engine and however the speed is at the end. So the ship is really smart (laughs) and it does everything for us. But we still need to keep watch. So we still need to. Uh, someone behind the wheel to make sure that everything runs perfectly and that we're not running into any other boat or, or if sometimes, you know, if, if you see a whale, for example, sure. you have to reduce your speed and things like that.
0: Connie, yes, so we are talking about all the technology and you talked about people have to still be on board. Could you tell us uh, something that you care to share about the human experience? You do have five people in, in a very cl- close quarters, so uh you're a scientist but maybe if you're on board you have to become a psychologist or a psychiatrist or the the human condition of all that must be quite something to experience can you share what that's like with us
1: i think you have to be uh, as you say you have to have multiple hats yes Uh, for example everyone has to cook everyone has to clean everyone has to take watch and you really become a like a family yes you have to look out for for each other and and make sure that everyone is okay uh, sometimes someone is going to feel a bit sick or, or you know down so you might take a little bit more of the load on your shoulders until the next time when it's your turn to <laughs> to feel unwell but um, I guess the key is to just be patient and understanding of, of your um, crew, crewmates Yes um, And but once you're on board I don't know it's, it's such a different experience than what you can experience online it's not quite the same as being stuck in an apartment with someone. No. Um, even though you're in a confined space, it's only 30 meters long, uh, just having this open horizon. The views are marvelous. Yeah, yeah.
0: Good views always, yeah. And,
1: and beautiful stargazing opportunities at night. Um, I don't know, you, you, you change your rhythm of life. Uh, everything becomes quieter. You're not in contact with, the, you know, internet and the news. and. Sure. All this hecticness of, of normal life and everything slows down you get into
2: a little routine and i don't know it just um and there's recreation too i uh you mentioned like you can exercise on board and there's you have a paddle board you have a zodiac you can zip around in i guess when you maybe in, you're in port or wherever and you can uh but oh you said diving i guess when you when you can anchor it some places or Mm
1: -hmm. so yeah we actually have uh, so much energy that we have our own little compressor on board and we can go scuba diving we use it to clean the hole obviously but also to go uh, diving for recreation uh we have a paddleboard a kayak a rower when we are at sea and we need to exercise (laughs) because otherwise you don't do much of that um but yes so we try and get
2: things to do. We have lots
0: of books. <laughs> i yes. bet you do, yeah. <laughs> uh, Katia, uh, you're an expert in your field. Bruce and I are trying to figure out our way after all these years in the automotive world. But for the layperson who is involved in some other part of their world, so they're a teacher, they're, they're something else. What what can they take from uh, the energy observer that would apply to when they go to buy an automobile? Maybe they're thinking about solar panels in, the, in their home things like that what what would be a good thing for the general public to know about what this Renewable what this project is
1: yeah yeah i think for so long we only relied on one source of energy fossil yes. fuel and we all know now that this is not something we can continue on doing it has too much impact on on the climate and on on the planet yes um and trying to find solutions to move away from fossil fuels you actually have to think about solution as being multiple. So here on this ship, we showcase a few examples of, of renewable energies. We have solar panels. We have those ocean wings. We we have hydrogen, and hydrogen is really great if you if weight is an, is an issue for cars, for trucks, for yes. planes. Uh, But for example, it wouldn't make much sense to have a a hydrogen bike or something very light like this. Uh, It could be great to implement those uh, on land as well if you were an island completely cut off from the grid. Having your own hydrogen production with solar panels and everything would be ideal. But I think the main take-home message is that you have to find the best solution for your specific locations maybe you're in an area with lots of sun so solar panels are great for you maybe you're in an area with lots of wind so wind turbines are the best option maybe you have high mountain lakes so you can use um you know the the water storage of those lakes as a mean of storing energy as well Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe you have geothermal energy uh it's just that hydrogen and batteries can be the storage capacity for those different types of energy to try and and, uh, smoothen that intermittence of the renewable energies Uh, but really what you have to think about is what's best for you what kind of technologies you can implement in your house on your everyday life for your cars and just think about not only what's convenient for you but what's best also for the planet
2: that's a
0: good takeaway. Yep. That's a that's a great way to end our podcast. Um, we really want to thank Doctor Nat, Natia. Okay. Katia. Doctor <laughs> Katia, I know a Natia, Doctor Katia Nicolette, who is the scientist on board of the Energy Observer, and we could spend all day. We know you have responsibilities. It's just a fascinating topic. So thank you very yeah, much for you. being on our podcast. Very much appreciated. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.